getting you up and getting your sports day started. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Nice to have you with us this morning with Jamie Linton, Jeff McGuire, and Chuck Hines. As we uh, talk a little football with you today, start of the NFL, week two for the Red Raiders, week three of the college football season, uh, technically, as uh, we'll have uh, the Bills and the Rams tonight at 6.30 on 100.7 the score. Red Raider football with Joey McGuire tonight at 6 o'clock here on Double T 97.3. High school football tomorrow night. We've got three games for you. Coronado plays at Wichita Falls Rider, 6.45 on Oldies 97.7. And then uh, tomorrow night, Lubbock Cooper looks to get back in the win column as they play at Abilene Wiley, 6.30 the broadcast on 100.7 the score. And Friendship looks to go back-to-back with wins. They uh, take on Monterey tomorrow night at home at Tiger Stadium, 6.30. The broadcast time with uh, the kick just after 7 o'clock. I would think there'd be a good crowd tomorrow night at Friendship for that. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you got, you know, two, I don't... It won't be as good as the crowd that had at Cooper the other no, night. No, 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 no. And maybe not the same level of passion. Um, but I would expect the Monterey folks to show up. Can you call them Crosstown Rivals? I mean, I... I, I don't know that I would call that as much of a rivalry. Maybe you can, just not as passionate as the one with Cooper. Because, see, I would think if you're ranking them, like, in the city for friendship, I'd go Cooper 1, Coronado 2, and then Monterey a distant third. Okay. I, I can buy into that. You know, that's 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 kind of how I see it from the outside looking in. Okay. Um, I think mainly because it seems to me like friendship and Coronado over the years have played more. Maybe. You know, um, it's been, in my mind, maybe somewhat sometime since Monterey played friendship, but heck, it could have been two years ago. There's some, some things that I can remember from 27 years ago, and there's some things I can't remember from 27 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm you know, with you. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's along, those, along those same lines. Uh, Red Raiders look for their third win over a ranked team since 2013. They had a ranked win in the Matt Wells era in 2019 at home against Oklahoma State on September the 5th. Excuse me, October the 5th. They won 45 to 35. And then you have to go back to the first year of the Kingsbury administration in 2013. And that was the uh, win over TCU uh, when TCU was ranked 24th on September the 12th, 20 to 10. So these, these, and then this is part of reclaiming Jones Stadium, right? This is part of, you know, saying, hey, we're going to be a menace to teams. We're going to, we want them to fear the Jones. All those, all those, all those terms that you want to use, this is how that starts is by beating ranked teams at home. Sure. I mean, just, I mean, ranked or unranked, you gotta you gotta take care of your home home field, and unfortunately, you wouldn't haven't been able to do that as as well as you would like in in recent years. And I would think, um, you know, it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg. But you know, attendance has been down, mm-hmm. passion has been down, and the crowds have not been as you know loud and rowdy and all that as have been in in previous years. And Again, what comes first? Did that did that start to happen when we started losing more, or yeah. um, did the crowds start to thin out, which made it more likely that we would lose, or you know, didn't give us an ad, advantageous kind of home field? But 
Uh, either way, winning will cure that. Sure. We hope. And uh, you had a great crowd the other night, so I would imagine it'll be just as good, maybe even even better this week. See, I think, I think by and large, the rank and file fan has been extremely patient uh, over the years with this football program. I don't disagree. And in terms of, you know, people lining up to buy tickets or provide support, financial, emotional investment all those all those kinds of things and i think the the fan base has to a degree somewhat sometimes overperformed now second half okay second half has been kind of dependent on what's gone gone on on the field but there have been times going into a fourth quarter with the game on the line that people have i want to beat the traffic come on mod let's go home and i've just i've never to the life of me understood that I can't tell you how many basketball games I've been to where there's it's a one or two possession game and I see people lined up at the top of the arena ready to hit the door as soon as the final buzzer goes off because I guess they just want to beat the traffic home. You know how you beat the traffic too? Go to the post-game press conference. There's never any traffic in my way home. <laughs> so we're getting back to football real quick. Uh-huh. So here's my question. When did the struggle start? for Texas Tech football. We have fond memories of Texas Tech with Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that's it, it can't be there because 2009 you went to a bowl game. 2010 you were 8-5 and five under Tommy Tuberville. I wouldn't call that being unsuccessful. You then have your your first 5-7 and seven season in forever and a, a two decades it felt like. You then went back to a bowl game and were 8-5. and five. Cliff his first year went 8-5. and five. Is that four and eight the next year? Is that the beginning of the struggles? That's where I'd For put it. 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 That's that's where I would start it. Because you still had a little bit more success after that. Six, seven, and six in two thousand fifteen. Five and seven, not great. And then we get to the rest of the Cliff Kingsbury area where it kind of was sparsely I, populated with wins. I might I might go back to twenty eleven when uh, your bowl streak ended. Yeah. You you went five and seven in the Big Twelve. You start off with four, and then four. went back to back ball games though. I know, but you had four you, you had four wins in a row, and then you had a, a loss at home to A and M forty five forty, and a loss at home to K State forty one thirty four. And then and then to me the most the most one of the most crushing losses uh, in the Tuberville administration. Aside from the sixty-six to six to Oklahoma State, was that forty-one to seven loss to Iowa State? It's pretty bad. You know when when I mean I just I just remember being at game day and having this kid on from Ames, Iowa, um, and this is this is before Iowa State had really kind of reset the deck and had become a menace, you know, in the Big Twelve, and feeling sorry for this kid because I just felt like we're going to beat the bejesus out of you. And it was quite the opposite. And there was a crowd of 59,000 at that game. And, you know, it was just, it was awful. And then, and then the loss to Oklahoma State and then the loss to Missouri and the loss to Baylor. I mean, you lost out. You start off 4-0 and you win one more game. Uh, and that was the game at Oklahoma. But and, then immediately that next season, you're 8-5 and five with a bowl win. 
No, I understand that, but I mean, but but it was but it was clear it wasn't going in the right direction because you had those back to back losses against um, K State on the road, and then Texas um, at home, and then you have the two over takes you two overtimes to beat KU here, and then you finish up uh, losing at Oklahoma State and losing uh, to Baylor in overtime because I think. If if you if you beat Texas at home, and you beat and you beat Baylor, Tuberville's going to get renewed. Maybe. I think yeah. it, I think if you I, I think if you beat Texas at home, and you don't have the headset incident against KU the next week, um, I think you could you could look at the Oklahoma State game and go, well, that's a that's a team that you've you've won at home, you've lost there, you've won at home, you've lost there. And you go beat you go beat Baylor. You're going to get a much better bowl game than what you got the Houston Bowl, um, and Tuberville's going to get renewed. And I'm not going to say you'd be better off than where you are today. I'm just saying he's he's going to get renewed at that point in time. He's not going to go to Cincinnati. Probably think you're right. I I, I think I'm I'm buying what you're selling there. I'm not. So it's just, just hard for just me, never know. me to start the frustration when you make three out of the next four bowl games. After the the five and seven season was terrible, there's no argument there. That's where the start of the, some of the passion started to go away. Because I mean, because people took a lot of pride. I remember Jamie being just I, I was really bummed by the bowl, just crushed, ending. crushed yeah. by that. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I think a lot of people and, and deservedly so. It was like the longest bowl streak, aside from. I don't know, maybe a... I think it was Florida State that had yeah, a longer one. Yeah, but it wasn't, it was, there weren't very many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was there was a lot of pride with that. And then, and when that when that bubble popped, so to speak, it's just like people got turned off and went a different direction and started losing some of your passion and started losing some of your mystique of, of uh, Jones Stadium, all those things. The 66-6 game was like the absolute crusher. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, no doubt. and even bigger laps. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Hope you're off to a good start to your morning drive this morning. If you're with us, then <laughs> it couldn't be a better, smoother drive, right? That's right. Yeah, today is uh, the 8th day of September 2022. Here's Jeff McGuire with the Stay in Sports History. Who's driving? Because uh-huh. that would determine how rough the ride would be. Okay, that's that's fair. I mean, I I think that sometimes it's a smooth ride with me, and sometimes it can be maybe a little helter skelter. I mean, if I'm a, I'm a if I'm on the bike, it it could be very wobbly depending on which way we're going, but could be <coughs> cautious with the morning. Yeah, you're, it doesn't appear. I, I've never been a. I don't know that I've ever been on a motorcycle per se. It looks like a rough ride to me. It's smooth, but you're not. Always vertical. Sometimes you're at an angle because <laughs> yeah. that's the easy way to turn. And more fun, by I, the way, more fun. I don't necessarily want to be vertical or no, horizontal no. on a motorcycle. I didn't say horizontal, you? just on an angle. Yeah, you're just not angle. perfectly vertical like you yeah. are. Anyhow, 1939, Indians Bob Feller, at 20 years old, is the youngest pitcher to win 20 games in a season. Wow. 1954, with a 3-2 count. Phillies' Richie Ashburn fouls off the next 
15 pitches. Mm. He would then get a walk. <laughs> That's a good, A.B. 1958, Pirate Roberto Clemente ties a modern record of three triples in a game. I still love the triple. I think I love the. Tri- I think I like the triple. Aside from the home run, where you know it's a big home run, you win, blah blah blah. But the triple to me is just one of the most exciting things in baseball. I would agree. I would take the inside the park homer sure. over the triple. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fun. In order, inside the park home run, triple, stealing home, home run. I'll take stealing home over the triple. Because you get the run scored? No, just because it's, it's way more yeah. rare. It's, it is way more rare. Yeah. 1963, Milwaukee Braves future baseball Hall of Fame pitcher Warren Spahn ties Christy Mathewson with 13 20 win seasons. 1965, Kansas City's Kansas City A's Brett Campernis plays all nine positions in a single game. That'd be Bert Campaneris. Campaneris. That's right. Listen to that six times this morning. I should have got that right. I'm sorry. Campy Campaneris. I don't know why they called him Campy, but that, I mean, everything. C-A-M-P that would be my guess. C-A-M-P-Y. Well, no, like, my guess is they called him Campy because of C-A-M-P. Yeah, I mean, he was always referred to, like, if uh, Eric Nadell was giving the starting lineup for, for the Oakland A's or the Kansas City A's, he'd be. And playing short, uh, Campy Campaneris. 1972, Chicago Cubs Ferguson Jenkins wins his 20th game for the sixth straight season. A year later, Billy Martin would be named the manager of the Texas Rangers. <laughs> 1984, U.S. women's tennis Martina Navratilova retains her title, beats Chris Everett Lloyd 4 6 6 4 6 4. 1985, Pete Rose ties Ty Cobb with 4,191 hits. A little foreshadowing to tomorrow. Going to be a big day. 1991. Did this just for you, Jamie. NFL Buffalo Bill quarterback Jim Kelly passes for not one, not two, not four, but six mm. touchdown passes wow. versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in a 52-34 to win. Wow. Don't see many 50s in the NFL. 1990. Not a lot. 1993, Houston's Daryl Kyle throws the third no-hitter of the season in an Astros 7-1 win over the Mets. And in 20, sorry, in, in, in 2002, Texas Rangers set a major league record by homering in their 26th consecutive game as Texas falls to Tampa Bay. It is National Date Nut Bread Day. I'm, I'm, I'm out, but I'm sure, are you in on the date nut? Date nut? It's dates and usually uh, like walnuts, not walnuts, uh, sliced almonds kind of thing in a, a bread mix. I avoided dating all crazy people back in my day. Okay, well, it would seem to me like... I wish I could say the same. Date nuts <laughs> would be like right up your alley with regard to the trail and things like that. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what they are, but I probably like them. Yeah. Happy birthday to Pink, who is 43. Pink? Pink. The singer? The singer, Pink, yeah. Bernie Sanders, 81. Uh, David Arquette, 51. Chumley from Pawn Stars is 40. <laughs> okay. And Garrett Cole is 31. And on this day in 1644, Dutch Governor Peter Schlewens, no way I got that right, 
surrenders New Amsterdam to the capital, uh, the capital of the New Netherlands, to English naval squadron under Colonel Richard Nichols, helped uh, who helped resist the English, but was an unpopular ruler for the Dutch. Suffered to the rally around the Dutch suffered uh, refused to rally around him. Following his capture, New Amsterdam's name was changed to New York in honor of the Duke of York, who organized the mission. So the next time you're hanging out with they might be giants and they say something like this. You can because you found out today on this day in sports history. Well, that was wow. interesting. Yeah. Well, that was quite a tune. Didn't you? Quite a tune. So I'm watching Pawn Stars last night. Uh-huh. And there's a guy selling like a medieval crossbow. Oh, was it from Lubbock? He was from Lubbock. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, that's crazy. There is an episode of Pawn Stars that I have seen like five seconds on YouTube of. The gorilla is on it. Yeah. I've only ever seen the five seconds of it. I clicked on it and misclicked it. Like, it was, I didn't get to watch the episode. I have been looking for that episode since then to see the whole thing, to see what he was selling. He didn't get his price. I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he walked away upset, but. Well, he wasn't upset. He just didn't get his price. Well, that would... Yeah, he seemed upset. He did seem upset. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I am desperately trying to find that episode. So if anybody knows that episode number or what they were selling, I would greatly appreciate that information. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. That first time I saw that, I thought that was, that was crazy. <laughs> it's just odd. You're right. 6.53 this morning here on the morning drive. Uh, I learned something yesterday, last night at happy hour with some friends. Um, and you, you guys, Jeff, you may have heard this before, um, but it's, if this is a man helping man or man helping your son or your nephew or your grandson or just friend kind of thing. Um, basically it's, um, because here's what happened is one of my friends said, Josh Young caught, got called up. And then somebody else said, Chuck, did you, did you hear that? Josh Young called up. And I said, yeah, that was uh, news about an hour ago. And then, boy, that was like, they were like, oh, well, excuse me, well, you know, that kind of deal. And uh, this other friend of mine said to me, hey, here's a kind of a wise old thing to kind of think about. When a man tells you a joke, even if you've heard the joke before, act like you've never heard it before. In other words, you don't want to show somebody up. So I guess I kind of showed up my friend a little bit because I was like, well, that was an hour ago news. But see, see, I didn't want them to know that I didn't, I wanted them to know that I already knew, not that I didn't know, like they were telling me something that I didn't know, but I should have, what I should have said, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome for him. As opposed to, that's like an hour ago. That was, that was a jerk move by me. I have some friends. (laughs) Seriously, somebody had to tell you this now at 61. I know, I know, right? That when a man tells you a joke, act like you've never heard it before. Or, or just, I mean, you can say I already know without yeah. being a jerk. You, no, or, I, or you don't have to. I know. The, the, the you don't have I to. I've never heard it put that way before. You don't have to be the first to know everything. I, if you knew already, yeah, no, you right. And and he told you, you just say, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, a, it was his and, wife. Yeah, 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 that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that doesn't say I didn't know. I know I that doesn't say that. you know first. It doesn't say I he should, knows first. Right. Just say, yeah, that's yeah. cool. It was it was a bad move by me. You, you're right. I mean, I should have known better. 
I should have I should have been better than that. <laughs> oh, Laura, poor Laura. <laughs> she wasn't there last night, so. Uh, no, but I know, she's still. spent a lot of time with you over the years. <laughs> she's tried. She's tried. <laughs> she's, she's tried. So well, I just never heard it put that way before. If a man tells you a joke, don't. Yeah, you've if heard it you before? ever say like, "Hey, welcome to the '80s," or mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, yeah, welcome to two hours ago. Yeah. You were being 100% a jerk. Yeah, right. Well, I didn't yeah. quite say it like that, but I mean, I, yeah. I, it was poor form. Yeah. It was poor form. Yeah. I've been I'm, there. I've see, done it too. Recapping yesterday while looking ahead to today's sports day. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Jamie Linton, Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Look forward to your thoughts and comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app. It's presented by Happy State Bank. Yates Flooring Center chat line is open as well. Um, we will have uh, Red Raider football with Joey McGuire tonight at 6 o'clock. But before that, uh, our good friends Aaron Dickens and Mike Gustafson from Tech Talk will be on location today. They'll be at Twin Peaks this afternoon. So if you're uh, out and about and you want to wet your whistle or get an appetizer or maybe just a late uh, lunch or an early supper, Dinner. Mm-hmm. Do you say supper or dinner? It's is it dinner? Dinner. Yeah, dinner. Yeah. I, I've said supper before, Yeah, too, I think though. growing up it was supper, mm-hmm. but... I think, I think it's one of those things, part of the country. Sure it is. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, somebody says this, because I've been listening to your show daily, I now find myself saying, that's fair, after people state an opinion. Jamie and Chuck consistently say... That's fair, or I think that's fair, and it's contagious. Okay. How about, sorry about you, or you do you, or those those are contagious as well. You do you, correct. <clears throat> we haven't consistently gotten sorry about you correct yet, so it's hard for that to catch on. No, you're right. You're right. I'm still still kind of working on that. Who's we? It's, it's just me. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's a group. Yeah, it's we're all lumped me. in together on this list. It's, it's just, it's well, just we're me. a group when things go well. When, <laughs> <laughs> when things go poorly. When things go I'm wrong. On it's on, myself. It's so we're a group like one day a week? Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> one I'm, day every other week? I, I know how this deal works. <laughs> I'm a terrible human being, Chuck. No, you're, you're not. You're just, I heard you talking on um, Bottom Line yesterday about what what did you do to deserve Clint and I, you know? And I think I think that is fair. <laughs> what did you What did you do? He did it to himself. In a way, he's yeah. the one that makes that decision. Yeah, in a way, in a way, maybe he just took that burden on so nobody else would have to. Is that pretty much the way that that went? <laughs> no. Okay. Clint needs a full time babysitter. So there's some truth to that. What know. about me? Um, or am I beyond hope? I'm the only one that will get up in the morning. Okay, so. the only one that will get up in the morning. <laughs> Seven uh, eighteen this morning. Or in the, the middle morning. of the night, really, is when we yeah, wake up. Right. So uh, look forward to the boys being at Twin Peaks today. Okay. Um, this from the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm going to the game Saturday. It's been over 20 years since I've been. Do you all know where a good place to park is? Uh, anywhere you can find it. I would tell you that there's places right around the stadium that you can pay 20 bucks for and walk across the street. Ouch. On the east side. If you want to do that. That's the, that's the best way to do it. Just put a 20 in your hand and hand it to the hand it to the person and 
Walk across the street. Make it easy on yourself. It's crazy the amount of money that uh, parking brings in nowadays. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I remember the first time I had to pay for parking at a sporting event. I was like, what? And now it's the way of the world. It's the way of the world. Yeah. It was at a Miami Heat game. Okay. On my honeymoon. I was like, what? <laughs> pay to park? Pay to park? What? What is this? Where are you from? Where are and now you, you from, can, kid? And now you can pay like $70 to park it at Jerry's World. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's all of that, if not uh, <laughs> it's not, if not more. It's fun. Okay. Um, UTSA uh, and uh, Houston played last week, 37 to 35. Houston won in three overtimes. Coach Joy McGuire was asked the other day, what did UTSA do well against Houston? Well, the one thing, uh, and it's, it's against anybody, Jeff Trailer has got a very physical football team, and they run to the football. I mean, it is extremely impressive uh, how hard they play on defense. And uh, that's a defense coordinator that was a high school coach with Jess, and uh, he, he does a phenomenal job. Um, I think those guys really love their coaches, and, and they play really hard for them. They play hard for each other. And so, I mean, that's what they do well. They've done it, you know, this is his third year, and he's, it's amazing what, you know, he's done. Not surprised because he did that at Gilmer. If you look at his Gilmer teams, they played great defense. They played really hard, and, you know, they showed that. And then they had a, they had a vet quarterback that's played a lot of snaps. We played him in 2019 when he was a young guy, and you knew he was going to be really good. Um, he, he's another guy that's a dual threat that can extend plays, and, Anytime you have quarterbacks that are dual threats that can extend plays, it's always tough to defend. So I thought he did a really good job against uh, against those guys. That's uh, head football coach Joey McGuire. So their uh, their quarterback Clayton Toon went twenty two of thirty two, two oh six, threw three touchdowns, and he carried the ball fifteen times, fifty one yards, and ran for a touchdown. So he was responsible for four touchdowns. Now, pretty impressive. Granted, some of those, you know, were because of the short field, right, with the overtime and all that kind of stuff. But still, um, you know, the fact that the dual threat and we kind of understand what that has has done from from a Texas Tech standpoint. What he said, Coach McGuire, uh, and he may allude to this in this next uh, comment, the defensive line is their best position group. And so the question was asked about Texas Tech's offensive line and what they need to do this week against Houston. You know, we got to pick up their twist. Uh, we got to do a good job, number nine, uh, for them. Their defensive end does a really good job watching him on film. He he has a lot of hand fakes to where he tries to get you to bite for that, and then he's going to, you know, dip and rip and be in the quarterback's lap. And so we've got to do a good job being patient and, you know, Offensive line play, whenever it comes to pass blocking, is so much communication and being able to pass stuff off to each other. And so it's a big week for, for those guys. They're going to get really tested on, uh, you know, playing the defense like this. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, Houston, I mean, they are a Big 12 opponent. This is not a, a, a group of five team or, or a lower level team. They're a, a ranked opponent, and they're you know they're going to be a opponent that we're going to see each other for a long time. And so this is going to be a really good test. I'm excited to play them. And and you know I think if you can provide protection, it's just like anything else. If you can at least give your quarterback a fighting chance, uh, that leads generally more to victory than it does to defeat. Yeah, absolutely, no, no question. I, I think that that's the one thing where. 
we're looking this weekend, at least I am, I'm looking at the offensive line for the Red Raiders and the defensive line for the Red Raiders because Toon, we know Toon can hurt you uh, with his feet and with his arm. So that puts the challenge on the defensive line there and also your linebackers. But the offensive line, we've heard about how good this defensive front is for the Cougars. And so already an area of question mark for the Red Raiders with offensive line, although mm-hmm. I was... Uh, I mean, I was pleased with what we saw this past Saturday, but an area of a of a question mark, and and now they're going to go against a team that that they feel like that's their strength. They're one of their strengths. So uh, that's that to me is most likely where this game could be won or lost. Sure. Uh, now let's uh, tr- transition to defense and defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter. He talks basically about the Houston offense and what they bring to this game. Well, I think everything starts with the quarterback, Toon. Uh, you know, he's a veteran guy. Uh, he's got a live arm. Uh, he's one of those guys that defensive coordinators don't like. He can beat you with his legs as well as his arm. You know, they're going to have some design quarterback run plays. Uh, but where I think he's particularly uh, difficult to d- defend is like we had in the first half last week where when the protection does break down, he can get out of the pocket and keep his eyes down the field to make plays or – take it you know and run with it for a while so uh, you got to have a plan for that and uh, we've got to do a much better job on the back end of playing with our eye discipline and not getting our eyes stuck in the backfield when when the clock goes off in their head and you know up front we got to do a much better job of of leveraging the quarterback in the pocket that's tim deruder so we'll get some more comments from him because one of the things that uh, the red raiders are going to be able to do is they're going to get adrian fry back and he was Obviously he played, but you know against um, Murray State, but they took him out with a with a thigh contusion, thigh bruise. Um, but he's going to play this week, and that'll be big uh, to have him back. Not only just from the defensive backfield standpoint, but also from a punt return standpoint as well, because they want him to return punts. So an important guy. Yeah, so he's a he's an important guy. So those are those are a couple things. And then uh, the other thing that Coach Drew is going to talk about. Uh, because with good quarterbacks generally come really good receivers, and they've got one in Nathaniel Dell, who is a speed guy. Uh, so they have to watch out for him on returns, but also have to watch out for him in the open field because they could they can shorten the field pretty quickly with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a, a guy that you got to know where he is uh, at all times, whether it's offense, special teams, whatever. That's a that's one of those playmakers they want to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, and if you're Houston and you're looking at the Tech offense, you look at the stat sheet and go, hey, there were 14 guys that caught balls last week. And mm-hmm. maybe your your best receiver didn't catch very many at all. That's Miles Price. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's plenty of weapons uh, from a Texas Tech standpoint for Houston to be concerned about. All right, 725 this morning here on the Morning Drive. Jamie's question of the day is next. Recapping yesterday while looking ahead to today's sports day. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. Jamie's question of the day on Double T 97.3 is presented by Bizarre Solutions. Call them today for a free cybersecurity audit. All right, hit me with your best shot. All right, Chuck. Today's question Mm -hmm. involves Red Raider football. The question today, and I'm going to let you have two answers. Oh. Okay, I'm going to let you have two answers. But one of them can't be turnovers. <laughs> okay. okay, can't be turnovers. What is the stat or stats 
looking ahead to this Saturday, or see so yeah, this Saturday that you feel will decide the game against the Red Raiders in Houston? Um, what are the key things you're looking for? Okay, I, I, I think I, I've already mentioned that what they did last week, what UTSA or what Houston did against UTSA, third down. Can you get off the field? I mean, if they're 13 of 21, first of all, getting 21 chances on third down, I mean, that's one aspect of it. And then so so I think third down efficiency, getting off the field, but then I also think you're going to have to score sevens and not threes because they are going to take a lot of time off the clock. So when you have the ball, you have to take advantage of your opportunities. Okay. You get a second one before yep. I start. That was two. That was oh, two. That was two. Take advantage was, of your sorry, take, sorry. take advantage of your opportunities. Um, defensive points per possession given up because this is not going to be this is that's going to be turning sevens into threes for the defense and slowing down what Houston can do offensively and preventing them from getting in the end zone. If that number is significant, if it's in the fours. And I realize this is a nerd stat, but it's one that I've enjoyed watching for the defense to really kind of balance out what spread offenses and a run offense does to a defense. That that's one that I will look for. If that's a closer to four than it is six or five, that means your defense is getting stops and they're making sure that Houston isn't scoring. The other set I would put there is completion percentage. With your offense, if you are completing passes if, uh, with regards to the number of attempts, that you're going to be very successful at this game. Okay, I'm going to start with the run game. I think for both teams, it's it's really key here. I, I think you have to be able to run the football to s- slow down that defensive front from coming after your quarterback. Okay. And part of the run game can include your quarterback running with the football as well. So. Uh, I, I think the run game is massive. I also think it's massive on the other side of the ball to um, slow down their running attack and, and see if Clayton Toon can beat you. Uh, I'm not completely sold on that young man. I don't think he's terrible. I just don't think he's uh, he's a game changer. Mm-hmm. So if you can slow down their run game and uh, force Toon to try to beat you, that, that to me is a better avenue for success okay. if, if you're the Red Raiders. And the other one I'll go to is uh, I think one leads to your two, one leads to the other. But I do think third downs are huge. Um, you have to be able to uh, get off the field and you have to be able to convert, stay on the field. So uh, I think that's a, uh, for any football game, that's a big stat. And I think, it, I think it'll be big in this one because I do think both teams have good, good enough offenses that they can hurt you. And so you have to find a way to, you know, probably get them behind the chains a little bit, so you're getting them in third and long. But at the same time, uh, you know, you can you can give up yards, you you can give up first downs. You just got to find it. You 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 can't you know give up three third down conversions on one drive. You know, you got to find a way sooner mm-hmm. or later to get off the field. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, Murray State was four of eighteen on third down, and and there were eight three and outs in the second half last week eight all all their positions were three and outs yeah it was good i mean there's nothing to complain about right mm-hmm. but it's just hard to have any idea yeah no no doubt no, what no that doubt. means yeah. moving forward no, no, no questions just, 
Um, somebody says this, if our DBs can shut down their wide receivers, we'll win. Okay. Uh, somebody else says time of possession and red zone efficiency. Well, I, I think the red zone efficiency, just from our red zone efficiency standpoint, hey, if you got to, if, if you're, if you're inside the 20, you, you got to score seven. But I mean, you could say that every week too. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those stats. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like turnovers. Sure. Because you can do everything right and turn the ball over a bunch mm-hmm. and lose. You can do everything right, but then stumble inside the 20 and, you know, you can score four times with four field goals. The other team only scores twice, but it's two touchdowns you lose. Right, because yeah. it's 14 to 12. Because you can't go for four. Would you like to see that? Like if it's outside no. the 50, no. four, you know, four points? <laughs> Why are you trying to trick it up, man? I don't know. I just, I just felt like, you know, what the three-point play has done for college basketball is it's been pretty exciting. Couldn't the four-point play do that for uh, college football? What, what if it was even 60-plus? Say it's 60-plus. Give it four points. No? No, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I would probably have been more surprised if you had been a fan of it yeah. than if you had not been a fan of it. How about that? Yeah. Okay. That would have been, I think, a bigger a bigger surprise to me than if you had been been a fan of it uh 7 36 this morning here on the morning drive your thoughts your comments yates flooring center chat line if you have uh, a thought about uh texas tech in houston are you are you nervous about this game are you are you bullish i'm nervous okay i i i still think i think the red raiders are going to be going to be the team that comes out on top but Mm -hmm. i'm nervous Mm -hmm. uh do you think there's much value to last year In terms of what they did or what you did. I do, I mean, as far as do I compare, I mean, I, I look at last year and feel like you outplayed them, and so you absolutely can do that this year. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that I think that's the end-all, be-all, because, you know, both teams are different. Team players have, have left and players have come in. Yeah. So it's not the same exact thing, but, yeah. I mean, heck, you've got a whole new coaching staff. Right. Uh, Coach DeRuiter was asked the other day, how much tape uh, that they will use from the Houston game last year and getting ready for this game on uh, Saturday that's at 3 o'clock? Well, I think uh, we, we obviously look at it, um, you know, during our sum- summer studies. That's where you start it. Um, you know, Coach Holgerson and his staff have been together for, you know, quite a bit. Uh, they do a terrific job. Uh, uh, you know, last time I, I coached against Coach Holgerson was probably about a dozen years ago. He's changed over the years. He's much more balanced now. And I think it makes it a much more difficult attack than, especially when you've got a quarterback who can also run the ball. Uh, you've got to def- defend the entire field uh, in the pass game and the run game. And so you can't just load up like maybe against an air raid offense where you're always dropping eight and, you know, making them or daring them to throw the ball uh, or run the ball. Uh, you know, it's uh, something, though, that this year with their personnel, although they got a lot of veteran guys back, They've got some different guys. You know, they, they've got the transfer running back in, uh, 20, you know, 20. They've got the freshman running back, 21. Um, they're good backs to, to complement four. Um, a lot of the, the scheme, there's some similarities in, in what they do. And so, you know, you're going to be who you are. You believe in something as a coach. But every year there's wrinkles. And, of course, they had some wrinkles last week. Yeah. So, and there's new personnel. And, and like you said, for – for them, uh, for 
Houston. I mean, it's a it's a brand new it's a brand new scheme. But these guys, they have a pretty good idea of what each other's doing from uh, previous matchups or things like that. So sure, there's a there's a there's a history there, right between uh, between all those all those guys. <clears throat> so anyway, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting on Saturday. Uh, some uh, other interesting games on Saturday. Number one, Alabama takes on Texas. Uh, down in Austin. That's an 11 a.m. kick. The Texas people are a little salty about that. Uh, K-State and Missouri play at 11 as well in Manhattan. Salty because it's 11 a.m.? Yeah. 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 Got a little border war going there between K-State and Missouri. A little border war. In in border war between Iowa State and Iowa. Um, Another good matchup potentially is Arizona State and Oklahoma State. Uh, both those teams are one and zero, and then there's a Big Twelve tilt in Week Two with Kansas playing at West Virginia. Mountaineers favored by thirteen and a half. If Neil Brown loses that game, is it curtains? Man, uh, it'll definitely make his seat a lot hotter. Yeah, it feels yeah. like uh, he's teetering. Yeah. Seven. You predicting your Jayhawks to get a win? Mm, no. No? No, I don't think so. They looked good last week. Yeah. Getting you up and getting your sports day started. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. Nice to have you with us this morning on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. We go to the Benchmark Hotline where we find the uh, father of Leighton Stone uh, on the Benchmark Hotline. That would be uh, Tom Stone. Oh boy, my name has already changed. One good game, and I don't even have a title anymore. You know, I know. Co- coach, I, I mean, I, I've seen your son play. I've seen your daughter. I mean, dominate. I, I, I mean, I had a high level of respect for you as a as a Division One college athlete and coach. Who actually is the best athlete in your family? Uh, I think that would be a robust debate if you were to sit around the table. But, uh, you know, let's not count out Mrs. Stone, who was quite an athlete herself. I, and I, I don't want to forget her because I was yes. hoping that was the answer you were yep, going to give, yep. but I was yep. leaving the door open just to see if you would get yourself in trouble. But, but Coach, uh, yep. it's one thing to catch a winning touchdown. It's one thing to do the other things. It's another thing when you're sitting at the dinner table and say, uh, anyone who has kicked a game-winning goal to win a national championship, please stand up. And... I do have that trump card, and I also <laughs> and I also have the I got paid to play soccer card. Mm-hmm. So you know, if anybody ever you know gets to play for you know for pay, then uh, they'll have that over me. But we don't really argue about it too much because it's fairly sensitive between the big brother and the big sister. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will say this for you, though. I mean, it does seem like your role at Texas Tech has been somewhat diminished now with Coach McGuire coming on as the most enthusiastic coach, you know, on this mm-hmm. coaching staff and uh, and your son taking over the headlines of the sports page with a yeah. game-winning grab against Lovett Cooper. I just want you to tell Layton <laughs> that my money's on Lily, okay? Okay, I'll tell him. I mean, he doesn't want to race her. I can assure you that. I guarantee you he doesn't. <laughs> not, not with people watching. She's got she's got speed. You know, uh, I saw Kirby Hocutt at uh, the autograph session a couple weeks ago, and I, I just seen his son, you know, getting my, my grandson getting an autograph from him. And I said, uh, I said, who's the who's who's faster, you or your son? And he goes, today him. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I got to I got to tell you guys, this was this was pretty heartwarming. Um, last week, 
and obviously, you know, my son is just in high school and he's got a long way to go and all these things. But, uh, you know, Kirby and Wes had both texted me about the game. And then Kirby's son with a couple of catches and a kickoff or a punt return in the game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 59,000, 60,000 people there. And then Wes's son, you know, calling a flea flicker on the first play sure. of the right. right? and winning the game and being everything we wanted to be. It was just, you know, we're, we're all in that phase where our kids are getting older. But it's cool that we kind of had that the three of us were in, you know, mm-hmm. communication that weekend, and it was it was a neat deal. All right, well, let's talk about your team. Uh, tonight, uh, you guys uh, play at 7 at the John Walker Soccer Complex, and it's uh, coaching for literacy night. Uh, fans can enter uh, for free uh, with a book donation, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. You guys uh, are 1, 2, and 3. You're Billy Bitter about the, the, the tie now. Can that be changed next year, do you think? It can be. Uh, I think the first thing that we need to do is if we it's, if, it, if the rule's in for two years, which is what they said it was originally, although there's enough rhetoric out there right now, everybody's pretty upset. Um, the ties have already doubled in the whole NCA, and it's a mess. But the other part of it is we, we didn't put in any rules about the clock. So the problem is you're in a game, and if you're the leading team, and you substitute with five minutes to go, the referee has to stop the clock. So you can't just kill the clock with substitution. But when they made the ties more desirable and much more easy to get, then what we're finding is all these teams that are kind of on the getting beat down end of the tie, you know, the team that's happy to tie, Mm -hmm. uh, they are eating up the last five minutes. They just have people at the scores table, and they just the, the five minutes just disappears. And that's a mistake that we all made. The NCAA made it. The coaches made it. Everybody who could have proposed that made it. So it's kind of ugly. Um, I think they'll fix that for the second year, and then maybe after the second year I think it'll get voted out. It's, we just don't play enough games. If we played 50 games, no problem. But when you play 18, 19 games, it's going to make the, the, the NCAA committee in a really tough spot. It, like if we can get going here and start scoring like we're supposed to and get a bunch of wins, as we should, we're still going to have a bunch of ties also. And it's going to be hard to differentiate, I think, from the NCAA committee's perspective what those ties are worth. Because if we outshoot your team at Kansas 25 to one, but we tie, is that a good tie because Kansas got a pounding and they held on, or is that a bad, so is that a bad tie for us? Or because we outplayed them, do we? You know what I mean? I, mean, I just it's very difficult to to figure out how they'll handle it. Well, coach, along those same lines, you look at your team's record at, at one, two, and three at this point. And as the head coach, you're, you're probably not thrilled with that. But at the same time, you look at the stats and you see. You've outshot your opponents by by 36 shots at this point of the season. Do you feel like your team is playing better maybe than that record shows? First of all, I appreciate you doing your homework. Thank you, Jamie. Um, (laughs) Second of all, that's what is helping us stay this course because we have not been outplayed yet. And, you know, we'll admit it, right? When another team outplays us, we'll say, hey, those guys were great today. I think last year was a couple of games when we, we tipped our hat to our opponents and they deserved the wins. That We've played really well. We're really good on the ball, better than we were last year. Our defense is shutting people down, shutting people out. We're giving up like two chances a game and we're creating five to seven. Um, so the, those are all real good news things. And our team is super young. We are out. Arguably our best player in Macy Blackburn and one of the best freshmen in the country. Uh, forwards Taylor Zadrowski, but um, those are not excuses. That's that's just reality. We're down those two players, but we do see the future coming. We we just need to get on a roll here in front of goal, show a little more composure, a little more um, 
sophistication in the final third, maybe a little more creativity. And also sometimes, you know, it's kind of like you just need to dunk it, right? Like you can hit your layups and you can hit a few jumpers, but sometimes you just need to dunk it. And in soccer, there's a thing for that too. Sometimes you just need an ugly, scrappy goal right in the middle of the box that just gets the whole team fired up. And um, I think that's all we need really to get this thing going. And that's why, you know, we're really excited about this team. There's plenty of games left to up that record, and uh, we're going to be all in for all of them. All right, you take on Houston tonight. Are they, you know, Coach McGuire's talked about Houston being a Big 12 team already on the football field. Are they, how do they match up in terms of what you see in the Big 12 from a, from a soccer standpoint? Well, what Jaime's doing, their new coach, uh, is getting them prepared for the Big 12. And they're playing a system that will be successful here. He's recruiting better than they ever have. They're going to be a really good team member. And, you know, look, it's just like TCU guys, when the Big 12 gave them the golden ticket, how good did they get in so many sports? It was like lighting them on fire. And the same, same thing is going to happen at Houston. They're going to be better at football. They're already awesome at basketball. They're going to be better at soccer and other sports. So I think they're well on their way. We went and played them this spring. We wanted to see what their place was like down there. And now they're up here playing us this fall. And then next year it'll be for real. Happy to be back home after your West Coast trip? <laughs> we are. It was crazy that we left Lubbock in a flood and ended up in Seattle and it was perfect. Um, that was wild, but it's always good to be home. We play really well here and the crowds are great, as you know, and uh, yeah, we're happy to be home. And speaking of which, John Walker himself of the John Walker Soccer Complex with lovely Lisa, his wife, will be in the house tonight for the game. Oh, well, how about cool. that? The very namesake. Cool. Well, that yeah, puts breaking, extra, we're breaking news here. That yeah. puts extra pressure on your team so that they can autograph a ball and give it to them. That's right. Put you know, the pressure on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, go get him, Layton's dad and Lily's dad. You know, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be, you'll be hey, just. Don't fine. forget about the. Hey, don't forget about the little general Landry. I mean, ask Giovanetti about Landry. That's his favorite. So let's not let's not leave him out of this. What what sport should we expect to see him excel in? Football and baseball. I would hope. Football, baseball, and you okay. you would hope. <laughs> Have we convinced? Otherwise, the... it's going to be a rough night at the dinner table for him. <laughs> Have we convinced uh, Lily to, to quit playing soccer and stick to basketball yet? No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're going to get to a point where you can't talk about her because she might be somebody that you might want to have on your team. You never know. Those are the weird situations. We're leaving all that up to her. Yeah. She's like, yeah. So she asked me one time if, if she was good enough to go to North Carolina when I let her go there. You know, they've won 22 national championships. And I said, honey, I can make you one promise. If you're good enough to go to North Carolina, you're going to Texas Tech. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to think, I got to think, I got to think that you're, you're like, you, you, you would say to her, you can go to any school you want, but the only one I'm paying for is either Duke or Texas Tech. Cause you say, I'm not paying to go to North Carolina, right? There's no chance I'm paying for her to go to Duke. No Have you seen that tuition bill? <laughs> well, you know, get a little NIL money there. You might be all right. All right, Coach, good luck tonight. Thanks for uh, thanks for pumping us up this morning. It's always, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate it, guys. See you all tonight. All right, that's uh, Coach Tom Stone with us on the Benchmark Hotline as his uh, team takes on Houston tonight. That'll be a 7 o'clock first touch over at the John Walker Complex. You'll hear... His son on the radio, hopefully, tomorrow night, making some catches uh, against the Monterey Plainsman. 6.30, the broadcast time. 7 o'clock, play-by-play from uh, the Friendship Place. Yeah, hopefully, if you're a Friendship fan, if you're a Monterey fan, you'd probably prefer you did. Right, right. Yeah. But we're just going to assume that it's a Friendship crowd, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know there's Monterey people that listen, too. 
But, you know, it kind of is what it is. You've been listening to the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. For more from Lubbock Sports Station, go to double T 973.com.